Welcome, everyone, to the very first episode of the yet-to-be-named podcast about taxes, and more importantly, uh, the coming tax storm that's about to happen. Maybe I should call it this podcast the tax storm. I've thought about the tax cut, maybe the tax break. I don't know. Maybe we'll take a, a poll. Anyway, it's brought to you by 960 Digital. And so the purpose of this is what I want to do is I want to release a series of these podcasts probably uh, once a week, maybe uh, once every couple of weeks. But um, my vision is to really set the table uh, for uh, what's about to expire. So you ask me what's about to expire. So the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, Trump's tax plan was... Implemented uh, December 2017, and there's an expiration date for the individual tax cuts. So the corporate tax cuts were permanent. The individual tax cuts were temporary, and they expire at the end of 2025. December 31st, 2025 is when they expire. So right now, uh, as of this recording, uh, February 2020, uh, we have about six more years that you'll be able to take advantage of these Trump tax cuts. So Let's get into it. All right, so today we are going to talk about the fiscal condition of our country. Why is there a coming tax storm? And I'm going to tell you why I think that it's relevant for those of you who are looking to have a tax efficient retirement. And to insulate yourself from what I believe, and that is coming down the road in the form of massive tax increases. So I do workshops and presentations all over, and I routinely ask uh, the group of people or the room full of people, I ask them this, how many of you think that tax rates in the future, even in the next six years, are likely to be higher than they are today? And you want to know something interesting? nearly every hand in that room goes up. And then I ask a a very telling follow-up question, which is this. So how many of you have the majority of your assets invested in 401ks or IRAs? And how many hands do you think go up? Yep, all of them, every single one. So the reason I talk about tax rate risk is because I've noticed that there's just a huge disconnect between what people think about the future of tax rates and how they are actually saving for retirement and allocating their retirement dollars. So you see, so if you believe that tax rates in the future are even going to be 1% higher than they are today, then you should put as much money away as you can into tax advantage vehicles like uh, Roth Roth IRAs, Roth 401ks, Roth conversions, uh, life insurance retirement plans. Yet, we find that most people are ignoring this input um, or this impulse, I should say, of putting money into their tax advantage vehicles, even though they believe in their heart of hearts that tax rates are going to be higher in the future. So what we're going to be talking about today is why I believe, mathematically speaking, that there really is no way to get around the fact that tax rates are going to be dramatically higher than they are today. So What I'd like to start off discussing is the national debt. So it's about $22 trillion as we record this show. And if you don't know what $22 trillion is, 
is basically a two, followed by a two, and then followed by 12 zeros. And uh, we owe some of that money to ourselves. We borrowed some of it from Social Security. So that's technically still a debt. And we've also borrowed it from a number of different countries, Japan, Saudi Arabia, China. Um, so all that borrowed money adds up to about $22 trillion. And so um, a lot of people say, dang, Marcus, that's not that big of a deal. Because when compared to our gross, dom- our gross domestic product, Uh, That's only about 106% of GDP. Uh, We were actually worse after World War II. So what's the big deal? Okay, number one, no one's saying that. $22 trillion is a lot of money. The only people who are saying, hey, the GDP, it's only 106% of GDP. uh, Those are the eggheads, the economists that don't really know and aren't looking at the numbers. I would say the uninformed economists are the ones saying that. Here's the big deal. If we were to run our accounting in our country, if we were to account for our debts and liabilities, like every other country in the world does, then we would actually have over, wait for it, $200 trillion of debt. Why, you may ask? Well, because when you add up all of what we call these unfunded liabilities, basically, uh, those are the promises that we've made to the American people that we have made, that the government has made to the American people that... Basically, they can't afford to keep things like, let's name a few, Social Security, Medicaid, Medicare, so forth. Hell, even some of those pensions that the government guarantees that they will pay you every year till you die should your company go bankrupt. All of those off-the-book liabilities adds up to over $200 trillion. So what does that mean? That means that we would need to have $200 trillion sitting in a bank account today, earning treasury rates just to be able to pay for all of those promises. And so how much do we actually have? Zero. Zilch. Nada. Right? Is there another word for zero? Nil. Nil. There you go. So uh, we have a problem on our hands, and it's a massive, massive problem. And it's really due to the obligations that we cannot get out of by law to pay for things like Medicare and Social Security. And so we all know that Social Security is a problem. But uh, I talk about this in my workshop. I bring up a gentleman named David Walker, and he famously said, while Social Security is a problem, Hey guys, Medicare is five times more expensive than Social Security. See, the real problem in our budget, the rear, the real um, uh, gusher is Medicare. And as these baby boomers, as you all move out of the workforce and onto the retirement programs and start to collect on Medicare, the cost of Medicare is going to crowd literally everything else out of the budget. So we have major problems here, particularly when it comes to cost items on that budget that we can't get out of other than by changing the law. So here's the other problem. There's not a lot of upside for politicians to try to change the existing laws so as to modify or change what we're paying for Social Security and Medicare. So those expenses are probably going to continue to grow And as we move forward in time, the national debt is going to increase and we're going to have to continue to borrow money to pay for these things because people don't want to make tough decisions when it comes to either raising taxes or cutting spending. We're Americans. We like our cake and we want to eat it too, right? All right. 
there's some problems. What are some solutions? Now, one of the options that we could bring up or bring to bear when it comes to solving this problem is that we could simply just borrow more money. Well, here's a problem with trying to borrow more money. Now, look, if we get to the point where we have some sort of you know, sovereign debt crisis, right? And by the way, the sovereign debt crisis is when other countries look at us and they think, hey, hey look, I don't think I want to loan you any more money because I don't think you'll be able to pay that money back. You know, our credit score has dropped. And when other countries look at that credit score, they're going to be like, mm, I don't think so. So if we get to that point, then we risk financial insolvency because we would not have any other way to pay for these expenses other than by raising taxes. All right, number two. So a lot of people say that, uh, you know what we can do? Congress would just print more money. You know, we had quantitative easing back in the day. We'd just print more money, print our way out of this problem. Um, I laugh at that simply because um, uh, it reminds me of a story that um, a gentleman used to tell um, he used to subscribe to these coin magazines and at the back of the coin magazine, you could buy a $100 trillion bill from Zimbabwe and it only cost you four bucks and that included shipping and handling. So what's the problem with printing your way out of the problem? Well, money is valuable simply because it's scarce the more you print it, the less scarce it becomes. Therefore, it becomes less valuable. So we cannot print our way out of the problem. Probably no more quantitative easing. So, all right, so we've talked about printing our way out of the problems. We've talked about borrowing, borrowing our way out of the problems. Uh, we've talked about reducing spending. And uh, that if politicians attempt to reduce spending, then that's, what do they call that, um, I think that's basically touching the third rail of politics, which we know that if you do that, you're done. You're kaput. Does anyone use kaput? You're kaput. You're finished. Anyway, so if anyone or any politician even brings reducing entitlement programs up, then it could be basically the end of their political career. So that brings us to, we'll say, a fourth possibility, and that is raising taxes. Now, some people say... Uh, well, darn, Marcus, uh, Congress would never do that because raising taxes is also something that could get them voted out of office. Well, guess what? Every year that goes by where they fail to either increase taxes, cut spending, or some combination of the two, the fix on the back end, it becomes all the more draconian, all the more severe, all the more aggressive, and the likelihood that tax rates will go up becomes more and more real with each passing year. So people will say, you know what, Marcus, um, Congress would never raise taxes. If they do, they're not going to raise taxes that high. Well, you don't have to go back that far in the history of our country to find tax rates that were a lot higher than they were uh, than today, even double, triple. I'll give you an example. This is one that I use in my workshops. Uh, the last two years of World War II, uh, Ronald Reagan talked famously about the 94% tax, right? Federal tax was 94%. And they would take 94% of any dollar that he made over $200,000 and went to the fed federal government. And that remaining 6% went to the state of California. 
So it literally didn't make any sense for him to work past June, so he would routinely take the rest of the year off. Now, am I saying we're going to have 94% tax rates? No, I'm not. We're probably not. Well, uh, maybe if Bernie is president, you could see those rates. I don't know. Feel the burn. That burn would be your pocketbook. Having to shell all that money to, to Uncle Sam. Mm. Anyway, I digress. So, uh, so basically, we have seen tax rates a lot higher than they are today. Hell, even as late as 1960, uh, marginal tax rates were as high as 90%. And the poorest among us, they were paying 22%. Okay, full disclosure, uh, deductions were a little different back then. But the point is, tax rates ebb and flow over time based on the needs of our federal government. When we have a war, tax rates go up. We have a fiscal crisis, tax rates go up. So there isn't any reason to expect that even six years from now, that tax rates wouldn't be dramatically higher than they are today. And every year that goes by where Congress fails to either increase taxes, reduce spending, or it's a combination of the two, that basically means that the fix comes six years from now will probably or more certainly be an increase of taxes. So I need to wrap up here. I don't, I don't want these to be more than you know, 15, 16 minutes. So um, as you are contemplating at your workplace or thinking, contemplating as you make important retirement decisions, as it relates to which types of retirement accounts that you're going to invest in, a very, very important question should be coming into play. And it's simply this. Do you believe that tax rates, when you take this money out in retirement, are tax rates going to be higher or lower than they are today? If you think that they are going to be even 1% higher, and I think I've laid out the case mathematically that they're going to be much higher than that, but if you think that taxes are going to be just 1% higher, then you should put as much money into those tax-free vehicles that I talked about earlier, Roth IRAs, 401ks, uh, Roth conversions, uh, life insurance retirement plans, or LERPs. All of these are fantastic tax-efficient tools to help you insulate yourself from the impact of higher taxes. Remember, even with traditional 401ks and IRAs, those tax-deferred accounts, it's okay to have some money in there in retirement because you will be able to take money out of those accounts tax-free by using your standard deduction. So resist the impulse to just throw everything or move everything into the tax-free bucket. Remember, we want to have uh, we want to have multiple streams of tax-free income, none of which will show up on the IRS's radar, but all which contribute to a tax-free retirement. Um, if you have a pension. Uh, that might not be possible. However, we want to get you as close to the 0% tax bracket as possible. Why, may you ask? Well, because if tax rates double, two times zero is zero. Ah, you liked that, didn't you? All right, so I want to thank uh, everyone for uh, joining me and listening. Uh, we will talk to you again soon on the next episode. Um, actually, I'll do most of the talking. You'll just listen. But uh, thanks for listening to the yet-to-be-determined tax show. Bye.